So I'm not going to screen share the readings because they're relatively short, but there are, I'm going to put them in the chat. There we go. So uh, as some of you may have realized, I, I volunteered myself to do a sequence on the concepts and we're up to concept nine now. Um, and so concept nine, the Al-Anon one is very short as are all the concepts were devised by AA and then Alanon adopted them and pared them down again. Which I'll do the AA one first. Uh, concept nine, good service leaders, together with sound and appropriate methods of choosing them, are at all levels indispensable for our future functioning and safety. The primary world service leadership, once exercised by the founders of AA, must necessarily be assumed by the trustees of the General Service Board of Alcoholics Anonymous. And Alanon's version, which is slightly more digestible, is this. Nine, good personal leadership at all service levels is a necessity. In the field of world service, the Board of Trustees assumes the primary leadership. Now, this is, I think, a difficult concept to talk about from an Alanon point of view for a very specific reason. I um, uh, I read all of the Al-Anon literature in preparation for this. I read all of the Al-Anon literature as well as the AA literature on Concept Nine, and I couldn't make head or tail of the Al-Anon stuff. I have to I have to admit that up front. Um, uh, I think there's a general observation that Al-Anon literature, AA literature, is is most a lot of it is written by one person. Bill Wilson, so the big book, Bill Wilson, 12 and 12, Bill Wilson, as Bill sees it, Bill Wilson, concept essays, Bill Wilson, language of the heart, Bill Wilson, there we go. So, and even within that, there's some inconsistencies because he's changing over time. Alanon is written by a, a bazillion people. Um, and, and then the stuff is collated by, by unknown editor or editors. Their names are. So we don't know who's behind anything, really. Some of the early stuff, we know it's Lois. Um, and ODAT has got a, a voice. There was a, I understand from Laurie in Texas that uh, ODAT was written by a woman that trekked around Al-Anon throughout America and wrote down her observations when she got home. I think she waited until she got home so she wouldn't be vilified in the meeting she was attending. Um, so it's it's marvellous because ODAT is full of wonderful observations, but also it's very clear that she got the hump in various places. And the reading comes out of getting the hump at various practices and procedures and things she heard in meetings. So she gets out of the blast range and then detonates. Um, now, with the concept stuff, the material we've got on concept nine, we've got paths to recovery, we've got reaching for personal freedom, that's kind of it. Um, and as is common with the Allen on literature, on any particular topic, if you're familiar with paths to recovery or reaching for personal freedom, uh, some of the readings are very clearly closely related to the step traditional concept in question. Other questions you like... How did you get that question out of this step or traditional? Um, so there's loads of stuff, for instance, in reaching for personal freedom on concept nine, which is about trust. And concept nine's got no, nothing to do with trust. Uh, it's very, very remote. So what I'm going to do 
Um, I, I think this is well to understand what the concepts are about in general. And hopefully I'll say a couple of things about how I can apply concept nine myself. So uh, to go back to concept nine, uh, its basic purpose is this. Um, to put it in the context of the rest of the concepts, uh, Alanon needs stuff doing. It needs a central telephone office. It has centralized public relations. It organizes the website. It organizes the app. It organizes listings. It organizes literature. It organizes a conference. You have to have a central body to do that stuff. The overall control of that lies with you and me um, acting through our groups, our group consciences, our group representatives, areas, districts, and finally conference. The conference meets but once a year and can decide on, uh, has final decision on large matters of general policy and finance. Everything else must be done by the General Service Board acting through corporations. The conference is there once a year for a couple of days, but the, the board and its corporations are there the whole year. There are full-time executive directors and employees. They're the ones that have to do the work. Now, to do that work, when they don't just sit there like potatoes waiting for the conference to tell them to do something when they've done it. They sit there waiting for conference to, to say the next thing because they can't wait another year. They've got to, they must act. Conference also gives only very, very vague um, recommendations. Like we want a new book on, 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 I don't know, growing up in an alcoholic environment in Honduras or something that might be the new book that is going to be written. Um, conference doesn't give any details. It leaves it to the board to, to, uh, flesh out the details, to devise a, a project plan, to break that down into tasks, to delegate those tasks, to, to implement those tasks, to manage the procedure, to review the results and to report back. There's a lot that needs to be done. And so the action needs to be actively managed. It needs to be actively managed by people who are active, active managers. And this is what leadership is about. It's about actively managing processes rather than sitting there like a potato waiting for someone else to do it or waiting for it to do itself. Um, so the trustees, uh, in practical terms, are running everything. Uh, that must Running everything that must be done centrally because it can't be done by groups. So the only things which it's given to do are things which can't be done at um, group level, uh, uh, district level, an area level. If it must be done at national worldwide level, then it gets delegated. Uh, there are also other reasons why they have to be active that there are there are because there are corporations, there are laws that must be complied with in some jurisdictions. The entity is classed as a charity or a non-profit, and there are laws which relate to that. So you've got to be very proactive about that. Again, you can't just wait for the laws to comply with themselves. You've got to actively comply with those laws. Uh, so what Concept 9 really talks about, and the Al-Anon literature, to bless it, it does a very good thing. It says, if you want to know more about leadership, we're not going to tell you what it is, go and read Bill W's essay in the Concepts 
uh, essays. And within his essays on the concepts, there's a kind of carve out where he talks about uh, leadership, what it is and how it's exercised. And so, so I, I've heard people say, oh, you know, in recovery, there are no leaders. Oh, oh no, there are, but they serve the whole. So it's not like a leader in an ordinary sense where leaders just tell you what to do. They might tell the people they delegate work to what to do, and they certainly do. Board members tell people what to do. It's their job to do that. Uh, but very importantly, the people discharging these duties, they need to be very, very good at what they're doing, or the whole thing is a catastrophe. One of the problems I've seen in service generally is people um, have this... Uh, there is a democratic ideal in, in Concept 12, but this is taken to the absurd extreme sometimes of everybody ought to be given a chance to do every single job in recovery, regardless of whether or not they're capable of doing it or emotionally or psychologically fit for it. And, um, I'd, oh, this is, this is getting me naughty. Um, uh, in... In Al-Anon, in a lot of Al-Anon meetings I've been to, at the beginning, the, the little jobs to do during the meeting are divided up. So Sally's going to read the first third of the traditions and Bobby's going to read the second third of the traditions and everything is divided. Everyone's got their little job. And the phrase that people use is when they've done their little job, they've read their traditions. They say, thank you for letting me serve. Thank you. As, now, it's very curious because it presupposes that the reason the job is being done is as a favour to the individual for their personal edification or getting out of their head or something. And it's not. The purpose of the service is to serve the group. It's not to serve the individual. So that what the group is not permitting the person to do service, they're asking the person to do service because they need it done. And then the job becomes very different. It means that the person doing service is held to the standard required as dictated by the needs of the group. So it's okay for groups to assess how the service is being done and provide correction because it needs to be done well for the benefit, for common welfare. Common welfare trumps individual welfare here. Uh, so leaders, obviously the trustees are leaders, but anyone who is running a meeting in any way, I think there are two sorts of service in meeting. This meetings is sort of grunt work. So putting out chairs and serving tea, basically jobs which must simply be done where there's no... Um, there's no discretion really involved. There's no decision-making. And then there are jobs with constant decision-making. If you're running a meeting, all sorts of peculiar, people do very strange things during meetings and these need to be managed. You can't just let people do whatever they want to do or it becomes complete chaos. You have to make decisions. You have to uh, not uh, dictate to the room, but lead by example how to comport oneself when sitting at the front of a, particularly a physical meeting where people can see your whole body. Um, uh, for instance, to be a chair of a group, uh, but as I say, particularly when it's you're physically in the room, to be calm, 
to be measured, to be in a psychological and emotional state where you're able and willing to simply read the script as it stands without omitting anything, without adding anything, without changing anything, without adding your own little flourishes to it, without ad-libbing, without constantly tripping up and then correcting yourself and then laughing at yourself and then apologizing and then explaining all of the things that happened today which left you in a state where you were unable to read a simple script. That's not that's not leadership. Leadership is about, I think, is about playing a role well and preparing yourself to play that role well, regardless of what is going on behind the scenes. Often there is a lot going on behind the scenes. Fine, I get But leadership is about uh, showing by example what this program can do. It's not telling people what to do in a, in a sort of dictatorial way. It's leading by example so that people... Um, through your comportment, through your manner, through the content of what you're saying, are inspired to say, I would like whatever they have learned to do, I would like to learn that as well. And I think that's the real um, goal of leadership. And also to be inspiring in the service that one does so that others want to help you. And then people naturally get involved. And there's never any need to say, can someone fill in for this? Can someone fill in for that? So when people are not filling in, I I always think it's the it, it's the the as it were the leaders of the meeting who are failing to inspire. The problem lies not in the people who are not volunteering. The problem lies in the failure of leadership. So the finger gets pointed back. Um, there isn't a lot of time, but there are some some um, qualities that. Uh, Bill Wilson talks about, and I think I, I'll talk about those and, and then stop. Um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Uh, yes, nine. There are nine qualities which I'll talk about just very briefly in my life. Uh, dedication is the first one, which means that uh, in service, uh, I do the job that I'm asked to do. I do it to the best of my ability, even if I could get away with doing a 30% job or 50% job or 70% job. Treat to treat it as though it's the most important thing in the world and to turn around service obligations within 24 hours. If the job takes more than one time slot to do it, then obviously it can, it can take days or weeks or sometimes months if it's a very large project, but basically turn it around daily. Competence. Um, if I don't know how to do something, I ask. And everything I've, I couldn't, I couldn't do anything when I got into recovery. I could conjugate Latin verbs. That was it. I had no um, deployable skills, but I made the decision to learn how to do them. I wasn't a natural at anything. Um, good judgment. Well, that takes a lot of time and a lot of step work. And it, I'm work in progress, but. That's something I think that acquired that is acquired through clearing the emotions of disturbances, and then you see what's there. Uh, you can't see what's at the bottom of water if the water is turbulent. If the water is still, you can see what's lying at the bottom of the river or the pond. Uh, morality is one of the ones he talks about, and I'm leaning further and further into realizing that 
when it says a moral inventory in step four, it really does mean that, not a psychological inventory. I'm looking at how, essentially, uh, I think all moral flaws boil down to this. I'm looking essentially at how I am placing myself uh, as the centre and main objective of my life, as opposed to having God as the centre and main objective of my life. And all moral questions, I think, flow from that fundamental error of having myself at the centre of the universe. My job in service is to have God and the totality in mind, not myself. Uh, to be uh, inspirational, people are inspired by different things. I'm inspired by uh, cheerfulness, briskness, and competence. Other people are inspired by by uh, kindness or lovingness, all sorts of things. And, and uh, as my ex's mother would say, wouldn't do for us all to be the same. Uh, this is why we have rotating leadership. We have different people with different skills in leadership roles. Um, stability. Uh, one of the things that I like, I liked about many meetings I went to in my early days was the reliability and the consistency and the sense that whatever the whirlwind I happened to be in emotionally, nothing I could do could affect the room or the people in it. And there was nothing more destabilizing than meetings where when I went off like a string of Chinese firecrackers, so did everyone else. The ability of other people not to react to me was the best thing. Um, and it drove me mad sometimes because I desperately wanted a reaction, but it was the wisest, sanest thing to do. And to not react to people will, as I say, enrage them at times, uh, but it's the right thing. Uh, vision, which means looking to the long term and not just immediate gains or solving immediate problems. Special skills, it, it, if you're a secretary of a meeting, it really helps if you have a computer and can use email and can type. And the ability to compromise, um, I'll finish on this, Bill W talks about progress. He says this, progress is nearly always characterized by a series of improving compromises. Progress is nearly always characterized by a series of improving compromises. And uh, when I go to my home group, um, um, or, or various groups I go to, uh, a sort of ticker tape starts off in my mind with all the things that I would change if I were in charge. And my current policy is I get to, I get to make one suggestion a year. Once I've, so I have to choose it very, very carefully and, and not suggest everything, because if everyone did that, we'd never get anything done. So to the group conscience, in my experience, is expressed not only by the group discussing and voting on something, then establishing something as its decision, its policy, its procedure. If you go into a group and things are done a certain way, habitually that is just how the group operates that is the group conscience it's not expressed verbally but it is the collectively agreed way of doing things which is why i'm extremely hesitant now about making any proposals within a group whatsoever except those that are required to solve a problem which is pissing everyone off if the group is fine it does not need my proposal 
or it would be like it already. It would already be manifesting the thing which I am proposing. It is not my job to go into groups and say, you're doing it wrong. I think your lives would be massively improved if you took on board my little, my bright little idea. So to really respect a group conscience and say, if it's done a certain way, leave them to it. That's how they've chosen to do it. I'm not going to interfere. Um, that's all I've got on this uh, tricky topic. Um, where are we? Turn the recording off.